0: instruments and we were playing music together and singing hymns. They were singing them in Romanian. We were singing them in English. It was the same hymns. And I remember, you know, a 15 year old me sitting on a couch in the middle of a country I'd never been to before. I mean, talk about culture shock. Um, but just realizing we're talking to the same God and Mm -hmm. he understands us and he knows us. Mm -hmm. And, and that was huge for me. Um, just, just grabbing a, getting just a glimpse of god's global vision
1: if you're like me you have a heart for missions and may have already done some missions work yourself but you also see some huge issues in the way missions are being done like why are we still sending out monthly newsletters in a digital age when technology allows for instant updates in the palm of your hand or why are we convinced that we need to raise two years support before going when all 12 disciples dropped what they were doing and walked away or why are we allowing denominations to decide who can and cannot go do what God is calling them to do, just because of things they've done in their past? And at what point did we brand following Christ to be a life of scarcity and sacrifice, when it's truly a life of abundance and privilege? These are some of the blaring questions in the missions world today. And Watch Missions Live is here to reshape the way you see missions. It's time for missionaries to rise up, create a shift in perspective, a change, a change A revolution in the way things are done and give you the real story. One of abundance, fulfillment, and privilege. My name is Aaron Jennings and welcome to Watch Missions Live. Hey, this is Aaron Jennings with Watch Missions Live and today I have Isaiah Malstead with me. And we're actually going to do four episodes from four different trips. Uh, That way we can get four different stories, four different locations, and four different perspectives probably as time goes Hey, Isaiah, how's it going?
0: Good. How you doing, Aaron?
1: Excellent. Excellent. Glad to have you on, man.
0: I'm glad to be on here. It's awesome that we got this to work out.
1: Yep. It's about time. (laughs) About time. (laughs) Well, hey, um, like I said, we're going to do four episodes. So you guys are going to want to hang around for two, three, and four. But let's start out. Isaiah, tell me a little about yourself and kind of how you, you know, where you're from, how you got into missions work and kind of where you started.
0: Sure. All right. Well, I'm a 22-year-old, newly 22-year-old guy from Minnesota. I uh, grew up in a homeschooling Christian family. Um, from an early age, I loved reading, and I loved reading stories. And one of my favorite stories was the story of Hudson Taylor, and I'd read about you know his trip to China and the, the, the stories of how God used him there. So that, that piqued my interest in missions from a young age. Uh, as I got older, I was kind of looking for opportunities to go on trips. And when I was 15, our church went on a trip to Romania. And, uh, I went and sat in the information meeting with my dad and we got out and looked at him and I said, I said to dad, I want to go. He said, all right, let's, let's do it. So, you know, I got passports lined up, uh, airplane tickets with the group and everything and headed over there, um, for the first time. So that, that was like how I got started into missions work. Um, it was, you know, from a fairly young age, getting introduced through books and stories of other missionaries uh, in the past, but then uh, just going when our church went for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you guys have been following us at all, you're starting to see a common theme People are getting connected to trips through local churches. Mm-hmm. So, if you're interested in missions, I mean, you know, pick up on this. Ask your local church. If you don't go to one particularly, get involved. That's a good place yeah. to start finding.
0: Yeah. So and, and, and I've maybe, got friends. I've got friends too who uh, maybe their church didn't host trips or trips that they didn't want to go on. But they had friends who went to different churches. And so, you know, I've been on trips with guys from other churches who just heard right. about it and jumped on our trip. So,
1: Yep, exactly, exactly. And people are that way. If they've got a trip going on. I mean, that's the whole point.
0: They mm-hmm. want
1: people to go. So, Romania at 15. Tell us about that trip
0: it and was what you it was, were doing. It was amazing. and It was life-changing. Um, so, the general premise was there's a guy from our church who grew up in Romania and when communism fell, he escaped the country. Uh, he'd become a Christian before then. They put him on the border uh, to try and get rid of him because he wouldn't convert back to communism. And so he moved to the United States, um, you know, met, met Mary Gal from Minnesota. So he went to our church and uh, he was going back. And the main, the main facet of the trip was to cut wood for widows. Um, it's, if you've ever been in foreign countries and see how they drive, it's not a big okay. shocker. But it, it seemed like half the guys in the village would get in car accidents and die. And so there was, there was a lot of widows. Uh, a lot of the kids in Romania and other countries t- too are moving to different parts of Europe or to the United States. And so there's a lot of, of widows and then some orphans who weren't super well taken care of. And so we had the opportunity to go back to his home village and take care of widows and orphans around in that area. So we went kind of not, not sure quite what to expect, um, but open to however God opened doors.
1: Right. Okay. So is that what happened when you got there? Because a lot of times, like you said, when you're open-minded and you're following God, he has a tendency to switch things up from time to time.
0: That actually is what happened. Um, So there's, there's, you know, little little other things that kind of um, went other directions from it. But the main focal point of that first trip was cutting wood. Uh, So we'd get big truckloads delivered to a widow's house, get it dropped off there, uh, come with chainsaws, cut it up, split it, stack it. And um, and as as doors opened up, we'd have opportunities to encourage the widows, share with them, and I don't remember if it was the first year, if it was years um, after that, but we started putting on a widows dinner. Uh, so we'd we'd go around, and bus all of them to the same location, um, serve them a nice meal, uh, do some music, and share a message with them. I
1: gotcha. you. So service, mm-hmm. service, and sharing. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that you're talking about like chopping wood because. I try to bring this up in every episode. I like people to see one: how do I get into missions work? And that's why Mm -hmm. I asked and pointed out that it's local churches. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on; you may not know about it. Just go to a local church and ask. Two is all the ways that you can serve, because so many people think, "I'd love to do some missions work," and they think they got to sell everything and move to another country. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to show people through this. That's the idea: is we've had sports ministry, we've had Basketball with kids, you know, we've had building houses, we've had disaster relief, we've had campus, college campus ministry. Yeah. Just living on campus, creating community. And now yeah. we're splitting wood. We've you know, we've had uh walking the streets and passing out tracks and talking and praying with people, like and one she started off even just going and helping homeless people under the bridge in her local town. Yeah, so it's like there are so many ways. All you have to do is be willing Absolutely. and God calling and just go, just go yeah. start doing something, be flexible, you know, like you're yep. saying. And God just kind of like moves you where he wants you. And it just grows from there. Absolutely. Because this was your first trip, like Romania, 15 years old. Yeah. And you said you just turned? 22. 22. Happy birthday, by the way.
0: Thank you. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that was recent and I didn't yeah. I didn't message you on that. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. So 15 to 22, still doing it. And now Mm -hmm. I know you've been on at least four different trips because we've got four different episodes we're doing. Yeah. I've
0: been on nine trips total. So some of the countries, you know, went back multiple times, but yeah. yeah.
1: And that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And and to tag off of what you were just saying before that, as far as so many different opportunities, I find it interesting because one thing I noticed um, as I've gotten to do more street ministry, preaching, witnessing, that sort of thing is oftentimes you're trying to as quickly as you can create a situation where people trust you enough to listen to you. Right. And the interesting thing is you have to come up with unique ways to do it if you're on the street ministering. But when you're doing a service, something, when you're doing campus ministry, when you're doing um, disaster relief, when you're cutting wood for widows in Romania, you are already building that trust because they see these people came over here to serve mm-hmm. and I'm willing to listen to what they say. Right. So oftentimes it, you know, when I got started, I pictured, I had to be like this, you know, person who knew all the answers and who had, you know, everything that lined up in order to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was, and and this hit me big on the first trip to Romania, was I realized that as long as you were willing to serve other people, um, especially on a trip where you have a team, God has different people with different gifts. And so even though I wasn't super confident in presenting the gospel on that first trip, by simply being willing to smile and to show the people I cared about them, um, opened the door (laughs) for those who knew the language. And for those who were ready and willing to present the gospel to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We realized that when we were in Thailand, the, the first time God sent us over there, one-way tickets didn't know when we were coming back. Yep. We had half a day with the lady that was raising the child we sponsored through Compassion, which was his grandma. Mm. And the kid, you know, he's he seven years, six, seven years old when we went to see him that first time. And he got bored with us. And, you know, he went to play. And so we were just sitting with locals and grandma didn't speak any English. We didn't speak mm. enough Thai to actually, you know, help. Yep. But we started just, I started just telling my testimony like why, why we ended up in Thailand and stuff like that. And the translators were going back and forth. Mm. And then he just starts going back and forth. And he's like, she said she wants you to lead her to Christ. And I was like, we've been here for like two hours. He's like, We've. She's been going to church. She's been reading her Bible, this and this, but she hasn't like made the decision to go all in. And she said, "What you were saying it just makes her feel like that now is the time."
0: Wow. And like
1: that, different gifts at different times. You never mm. know when something's going to happen. Yep. Because you know she's been going to church and she's had pastors and people reaching out to her all the time for years. Yeah. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're there for half a day, and it was like this is the time. <laughs> yeah it's that the yeah. inflexible you'll find that all over the place
0: yeah and, and that kind of leads into you know that that first trip i took to romania probably the, the biggest thing i took away from it and the biggest way i saw god work was you know like you were talking that gal in thailand had heard the gospel and you know she'd been in church before
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it, it was that aspect that i i knew in my head but it never really settled to my heart the fact of how big god is yeah so the interesting thing, when we went the first year, we stayed with um, our, our host's mother at her house. So she had a, a few rooms and so we didn't all fit. And so um, Peter, the guy who was leading the trip, one of his high school friends had a house just up the mountain from where we were at. And he opened up a few rooms in his house that some of us went and stayed at. And so we would get home at the night from these ministry activities we were doing mm-hmm. and they would all be sitting up waiting for us with loads of food ready for us and wanting to sit in fellowship. Right. And, um, and the, the parents didn't speak much English. They understood more than they spoke, but the kids could speak. So they'd translate back and forth. And I remember we had a lot of nights of fellowship where we would sit there, you know, they were Christians as well, yeah. but we'd sit in their living room and, uh, he pulled out his trumpet, different ones of us played instruments and we were playing music together and singing hymns. They were singing them in Romanian. We were right. singing them in English. It was the same hymns. And I remember, you know, a 15 year old me sitting on a couch in the middle of a country I'd never been to before. I mean, talk about culture shock. Um, but just realizing we're talking to the same God and Mm -hmm. he understands us and he knows us.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and that was huge for me. Um, just, just grabbing a, getting just a glimpse of God's global vision, that it wasn't just America. It wasn't about the American way of being a Christian. It wasn't about Um, us as Americans having to go and save the rest of the world. Right. It was God is a God who is way bigger than America. He uses us, absolutely. But that he already was in in Romania. He was already in the churches there. And this was a meeting of brothers and sisters. So that, that was, to me, super cool and really ignited in me the passion, yes, to go and to minister in other countries to those who had not heard the gospel or who hadn't accepted Christ. But also in tandem with that, the, um, the hunger and desire to fellowship with and encourage other believers from around the globe, um, who I'd never met before. We didn't speak the same language. We're from totally different cultures, right? but still serve the same God.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing what just sitting together can do. Mm. Like the best worship I had was around a fire in Katali, Kenya, mm. from the back porch of this orphanage at like midnight. Mm. And it was accidental, <laughs> but it was like, you know, you had all these different cultures just sitting around a fire. And like you said, it was the same God under the same stars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, it's amazing. Like when you start to really realize all that, yeah. like how big and how far God really reaches and that we're nothing but a small part. Yep. He's using us because he wants to, not yep. because he needs to. Yep. And it's funny because everybody I've talked to about missions work, they end up getting more out of it themselves mm. and they end up feeling like they gave Yeah. because you just learn so much. Yeah. So that was obviously the big learning point for you. Yep. I always like to dive in and ask if there's a god story or a godsidence I call them where God provided it in a way or did something in a way that was obviously God and nobody else. Because like if we were never to meet you or talk to you anywhere or I'm sorry, if we you would have a story from one of these trips, right? That we mm. wouldn't know unless we just ran into you somewhere. Yeah. Something like that. You have something like that, or was that kind of that epiphany at that point?
0: That was the biggest epiphany on that trip. Um, as, as we went back, I went on three more trips back to Romania. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the, there are so many different cool stories and, you know, we could probably spend hours just talking about stories from there. Yeah. One of the coolest ones to me is there's a guy named Virel Pashka and he and his wife, this was I think it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. They were sitting in their living room in their house. Uh, Winter had just hit, you know, first big snowstorm in Romania for that year. And they were watching the evening news. And on it, it said that two, I I believe it was two homeless people had frozen to death in their town that day. And he and his wife looked at each other and said, how is that possible in our town in Romania that two people froze to death? And so they started talking about it. As There wasn't much big that they could do, but they figured, you know what? God's taking care of us up to this point. We have a spare bedroom in our house. We can bring in probably three or four people off the street and take care of them. And so they did. And God started opening doors, started using them. And now, um, I don't remember for sure, but he has something like five locations. There are something like 12 houses, I believe. And they take care of, if I remember right, 600 some odd folks. Nice. Um, that they, People who are in the streets that are maybe you know, kicked out of the hospital, um, you know, whatever it was that they now have a place that they have a, a roof over their head a warm bed food to eat and can hear the gospel. And, uh, he has so many stories to, to me, one of the, one of the coolest stories of God orchestrating things. And it was one of those, there's no earthly way that anybody could plan it was for a number of years before that he had taught, um, at a school for gypsy children. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in Romania, they're kind of the outcast people don't, um, you, you, you try to avoid them if you can because they're all known to be thieves and robbers. And, right. Okay. Um, but he, he taught at this school for gypsy kids. It turns out today, almost all of the people working at his facility volunteering there are the kids that he trained <laughs> years ago back in the school. And because of the impact he had on their lives, yeah. they are now taking care of all these people and being a part of God's bigger plan.
1: It's almost like God knows what he's doing.
0: You think he does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you, when you sit back, and really look at it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Well, that's, that's a good story for that one. I think it's a good place to end this episode. Like I said, it's one of four. So you're going to want to stay tuned and come back for two, three, and four. We're going to talk Guatemala, the Ukraine, and Israel. Yes, so sir. Bye, and um, we'll catch you guys on the next episode.
0: Sounds good. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you for your time. Please remember to rate and subscribe. After being a full-time missionary, I got tired of people looking at me like it must be really hard to do what you do. And they'd say things like, I'd love to be able to do something like that, but insert excuse. When the real reason was because they saw what we were doing as a sacrifice. That to do missions work, they would have to give up everything. That quite honestly was forcing them to do things they didn't like, for people they couldn't stand, so they could afford things that they didn't need. The truth is, as full-time missionaries, it was one of the few times of my life when I was truly fulfilled. It was the closest to God I'd ever been. Debt-free, not stressed, and living the life of an adventure I'd always wanted. If you too believe that it's time for a change, then head over to watchmissionslive.com and join the revolution.